Well, hey, South family, this is Alex here. Uh, excited to just continue to read along in our Bible reading plan this week. Uh, we are going to actually tackle chapter 38 of Genesis all the way through chapter 47 in our reading plan. We did not include chapter 38, but uh, Hayden and I are actually going to talk about it a little bit today too. Um, and yeah, I've got Hayden with me here again. Hayden, uh, tell us a fun fact about yourself. Yeah, a uh, fun fact is I'm the backup for everyone else that you asked already to be on this, oh my but gosh. they all said no, so you had to resort to me again. <laughs> yeah, hey, somebody else, join us on the podcast. We'd love to have you. Um, but yeah, that's a fun fact. Uh, so uh, let's kick it off, man. Hayden, uh, let's talk about chapter 38. Uh, it feels like it's out of left field. You know, we left off last week talking about Joseph and his dreams. Um, and how he was sold into slavery, and then we jump to Judah and Tamar, man. What's what's up with that? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely confusing, and I, it, yeah, it's like all of a sudden we've been talking about Joseph, Joseph, and then we get to this Judah story out of nowhere, and then we're back to Joseph, and I think sometimes we can just be like, oh, that's weird, like that seems like an accident or something, but I think it's just good to know, like, Man, with the more I just sit with this and learn about the scripture, and especially Genesis, like there are no accidents in this mm, thing. Like yeah. everything is very purposeful, um, and so that I mean that's that's like one thing that I would just take away is I feel like what we should be no, like be seeing in here is like the story of Judah is just thrown into the middle of the story of Joseph, and like that's for a reason. So mm -hmm. if nothing else, like even if I can't be like oh, that story was weird, but here's exactly what it means. I can be, at least be like, I'm just going to take that along with me, like, as I go. Um, and uh, so I think that's just, like, a good practice when you get to something, you're like, that seemed really weird and strange. Just, like, keep reading and bring it along with you. So, yeah, what do you think? I, I didn't read this um, chapter because it wasn't in there, so... Yeah, I cheated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I read chapter 38, and uh, along with chapter 39, you know, I read them back to back. And as I was sitting with the two of them, uh, I, was, I even told my huddle this, but I, you just really see a contrast with Judah and then Joseph in chapter 39. And you see the contrast with Tamar and then Potiphar in uh, chapter 39. And you just see how Judah just kind of schemes his way out of a promise and doesn't give Tamar a husband like he told her he was going to. Um, like his, his son, Timnah, grows up and he just doesn't uh, marry them. He doesn't give them to each other. And so uh, Tamar has to find a way to survive. And so she finds a way to survive and continue to be a part of the family line. And uh, that way she's protected and cared for. And then you contrast it with Joseph and, and how he's righteous where Potiphar tries to sleep with him and he's like, no, like you have a husband, that's not good. And so he runs away to the point to where he has to run away kind of naked, uh, but he's righteous in it. But Potiphar in uh, their um, uh, situation, she's the one who's not righteous. And so you see two people who um, are just trying to do things that aren't God honoring, right? And yet you still see two people who are very uh, God honoring in their own life. And uh, we see that play out, play out just in, as in Joseph's life as we keep reading throughout his story, right? He gets thrown into prison at the end of chapter 39. Um, and then we kind of wonder, well, what's going to happen next? Like this guy was doing the right thing. How's, how's God going to work in just a hard circumstance or a hard situation? 
Uh, which brings us to just the point in chapter 40 where uh, Joseph has to interpret some dreams uh, and talk to the cupbearer uh, and the chief baker in, that, um, in those chapters. Hayden, anything that pop out just in those uh, chapters there for you? Um, yeah, as you were talking um, with those two stories, one of the, so I, I found this, commenta- or this commentary, the Expositor's Bible Commentary, yeah. on our shelf. And, yeah. and when you asked me to do this, I was like, I'm just going to look through this. And so one of the things that they noted as part of like the Judah to Joseph um, kind of contrast is like, you've seen in the in the rest of Genesis, so like carrying on the rest of Genesis with you, these narratives about like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all falling short of God's expectations, just like Judah did. And then we flip to Joseph and get the opposite story of someone who is being faithful. And so like in the other stories, it's been about God and his faithfulness to his promises, Ooh. to his people having to make up basically for their falling short. And in this case, it's like flipping to the other side. Well, like what if there was a human who was being faithful to God and what he's called them to, to the other side of Abraham's promise? Because it's like, okay, you're supposed to be not only just like a blessing to the nations, like have abundant um, family, but you're also supposed to do righteousness and justice. So like what would happen? Um, and that's kind of the story of Joseph that we get. Um, and so one of the things that, yeah, happens then is Joseph is kind of regularly wrongly treated first, um, and by his brothers, obviously, and that lands him in Egypt. And then he's wrongly treated by Potiphar's wife. Um, but he continues in all of that just to be righteous and um before god and you know even when potiphar's wife is asking him to lie with her he's like no like that would be a sin against god like he he's not only aware that that would be wrong to the husband but like he's he's saying no ultimately because it's a sin against god like he doesn't he he is remaining righteous and then you see yeah he's interpreting these dreams in um chapter 40 and one of the things that this points out is like man in the two dreams like it wouldn't really be plain to us like if you were just to read that they both sound basically the same you're like okay three days something happens and like it's only by god's spirit that he's able to like interpret the the correct like interpretation of the dreams yeah um and so like this this again um commentary is like we're supposed to realize that Joseph is one, it says in um, chapter 41, 38, on whom is the spirit of God. And like, so not only is that how he's like able to interpret these dreams, but that's also how he's able to have like right standing with God and continue to be righteous is that like the spirit of God is with him, Yeah, um, which is cool. Yeah, that is really cool. That's awesome. And, and then how it continues in verse 39 Uh, Pharaoh tells Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you are. You will be over my house and all my people will obey your commands. Only I, as king, will be greater than you. 
And so while Joseph had to be in prison and go through, you know, he sold into slavery by his brothers, like he still walked with obedience to the Lord, as you were saying. And out of obedience, God just continues to uh, hold his promise that through Abraham's line, there's going to be a great blessing uh, to his people. And we start to see that revealed here a little bit as as Pharaoh promises to uh, Joseph that he's going to be in charge of the house. He's going to be moved up the ranks. You know, he goes from someone who's literally at the lowest class level there is being in prison and then moved all the way to the top being the right hand man to Pharaoh. And we see God starting to really move and bless Joseph. But uh, what I love is I, I totally miss it at the very end of verse 39 and uh, verse 21 while Joseph's in prison, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. And so we see God's been with Joseph and God continues to be with Joseph uh, as he saves him out of prison and exalts him and then puts him into just a season where he's in administration with Pharaoh. Um, and we see some really sweet things as uh, we just move forward in Joseph's story when uh, the famine starts to come. In verse 50 of chapter 41, it says, Two sons were born to Joseph uh, for the years of the famine arrived. And then in 51, Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all of my hardship and my whole family, right? And the second son he named Ephraim and said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so out of how he suffers and yet still loves the Lord and is obedient to the Lord and then receives blessing from God, he continues to just celebrate what God is doing in his life with having the gift of two sons with Manasseh and Ephraim and just celebrates how uh, God was still with him and made him fruitful, even in his affliction. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's really good. And one thing that I'm just like I said <laughs> when I before we started, I'm not gonna say like any of my own words. I'm just gonna let this commentary do the talking because <laughs> it's so much better than anything I could have come up with. Uh, but yeah, one thing that he says um, in in uh, chapter 41 is how this this all should be kind of echoing back to like the very beginning of Genesis like the king's appointment of Joseph over all his kingdom like is what we see as Adam in creation um he he is appointed like Adam and Eve as humans are appointed as rulers to rule and subdue over all of creation um and so just as Adam is called to be dependent on God for his knowledge of good and evil we see Joseph actually doing that like actually being dependent on yeah. God for the source of wisdom that's good and then yeah just like Adam was made in God's image Joseph's given like the image of pharaohship like he's given wow. his his robe and um stuff and so yeah basically what the expositor is saying here is like hey this is actually an intentional like look back to Adam to be like once again this is what it looks like when a person is actually like kind of facing that same choice in the garden of like am I going to trust God or am I going to take the knowledge of good and evil for myself and this is a man who by the spirit as we already you know kind of brought out is yeah. he's trusting God and so we're seeing the result of what happens when people filled with the Holy Spirit trust God to um, do his will. Yeah, that's good. 
And that leads us to uh, the famine hitting. Joseph's brothers coming to visit him to ask for food. And in 42 verse 8, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Um, that just kind of goes to show how much they really cared about him. Like they can't recognize He's either super decked out and they really can't tell because he's so decked out. Or they just cared uh, or they didn't care for him at all. But what's sweet is uh, we return back to the brother Reuben, right? Reuben says, didn't I tell you guys not to harm the boy? And he's talking about his brother Joseph all the way back. Mm -hmm. He says, but but you guys wouldn't listen. And, and now we must account for his blood. And so Reuben is kind of the brother who's like, guys, we screwed up. And now God's punishing us in this, mm -hmm. in this moment in our life. And, and uh, we just continue to see Reuben... Uh, just kind of step up as an older brother as an example and even later in verse 37 uh, as it's talking even further into the story when they return back to uh, their brother J or their father Jacob uh, it says in verse 37 then Reuben said to his father you can kill uh, my two sons if I don't bring him back to you put him in my care and I will return him to you so we even see Reuben as a sort of example to follow and to look at right because mm -hmm. early on when they were trying to sell Joseph into slavery Reuben stepped up and was like hey I, we probably shouldn't do that you know and here he's like I told you guys this was going to happen and then when they return home they have to take Benjamin with them uh, and Reuben says like hey I'm gonna care for Benjamin like trust me as we go uh and so he just kind of begs jacob uh to trust him with benjamin uh but then in chapter 43 i find it kind of funny that jude is actually the one that comes back and speaks to jacob and says hey trust me like send the boy with me and knowing jude's backstory i'm kind of like i don't want to trust that guy like whoa what what's going to happen is jacob going to trust him or not is he going to send benjamin with judah luckily Jacob sends them all back uh, rather than just sending Judah back because I feel like he's continued to show he is not a trustworthy man uh, throughout this whole uh, circumstance. And as we read just in their life story, we just see, uh, I'm like, no, trust Reuben. Don't trust Judah. Uh, but they all go forward um, to return to Egypt and to get some more food, right? Yeah. One thing, too, that I think this section is always super confusing because you're like, why is Joseph, like, doing this to his brothers? Like, yeah. why is he sending them back? Why is he putting the money in his bags? Like, why, why are they, like, doing this stuff? And basically one thing that this uh, expositor picks up on is just, like, a slow... You get just these small details of um like in 42 28 they're like what is this that god has done to us um and so first showing that like like we said before joseph he has the spirit of god and even the brothers are like subconsciously realizing that through joseph's scheming like god is working mm. um which is cool and then yeah this expositor throughout like the next three or four chapters that this goes on is he notes just some like small repentance moments in the brothers or at least like acknowledgement moments like yeah. before when they're like our brother was no more like that's just what they say which isn't saying that like he's dead or like we killed him but you go from like our brother is no more to later our brother is dead and like they're kind of reckoning with the fact that like even though they sold him into slavery they're like we're pretty sure he's dead and then they finally get to the point where they're like yeah our like his blood's on our hands mm. basically and so i think part of you're like why is he doing this i think 
God is working through Joseph just to work repentance and into their hearts. And it's also good to remember that like at no point is Joseph like enjoying this either. Every time it's always like he's on the brink of crying in front of him. He like has to go away and like hide his face because he's so like it it distresses him. And so I just think that's good. And like it's always in his mind to, you know, like later on they come back and he like throws a banquet for him. He provides for them. So like, Ultimately, the restoration of his family is what's in his heart, but God's using this um, through Joseph to like work them into a place of repentance, which is really cool. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. It's, yeah, the scheming part always seems yeah. weird. You're like, okay, this guy was a guy who like loved God. We see him be super honorable and just obedient to uh, just wanting to live a life that's pleasing to God, and then you kind of have this point where you're like, is that okay that he's doing that to his brothers? And so, yeah, I think God is definitely working through them, through yeah. all of that um, to just lead then the brothers to see uh, their sin and continually acknowledge their sin as well. Yeah. Um, so And asking them to be faithful in their response because Joseph personally doesn't know, like, are his brothers, have they grown? Like, are they repentant? Like, he doesn't know any of those things. So he's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they killed my younger brother too, you know? And so he's, like, giving them chances to, like, respond faithfully and with repentance. Um, But, yeah, he's in his heart and his mind. It's like he's distressed about this, and he longs for restoration with his family, and ultimately that's what happens. So, yeah, I just think there's... I I don't want to get, like, allegorical with it, you know, to be like, oh, God is, you know, in Joseph we see this is how exactly God works. But I think it does show us, like, a heart um, of God desiring repentance, and he sometimes will kind of just use use these things to work in us on kind of a slow burn of repentance but ultimately like his his heart is for salvation and restoration of his people yeah and we see that as joseph reveals who he is to the brothers right in Mm -hmm. 45 and in verse uh, 7 of chapter 45 it says that god sent me this is joseph speaking to the brothers he says god sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it was not you who sent me here, Mm -hmm. but God. He's made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over all of the land. And he's just trying to reveal to them that like, hey, I, I understand that what you did was not great, but look how God moved in it. Look mm-hmm. how uh, amazing God was to provide this for us, to keep us alive, to allow us to be delivered. And he's given me like lordship kind of over his entire house to rule over the land of Egypt. Like God is so faithful. And, and Joseph's just trying to reveal that uh, to his brothers as well, um, which is so cool to just continue to look back and, and always see how faithful, how true, how good, how wonderful God is, even in hard circumstances, Mm -hmm. even in hard situations, um, God continues to just reveal how beautiful uh, he is to his people. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I think in all this too, like remembering the beginning of the story that like God had revealed like his plan to Joseph Mm -hmm. and in the beginning. And so when you're like, well, where does like, where does his hope, where does his um, faith come from? And and we learn that, like, the Spirit is with Joseph. So ultimately, like, that is where, like, his hope and faith comes from, is the yeah. Spirit of God. 
But I think it's just cool when we think about that, where we're like, man, Joseph has gone through this stuff, and he's getting sold into slavery, he's getting wrongly accused, he's, like, having to deal with his family. Um, Ultimately, like, we've been given the same vision of hope that God has given Joseph, except it's not even just for Joseph, like, it's for all of humanity, all of creation. Um, And so I, I think that's good, like, Joseph continues to believe and trust um in spite of all this and in spite of like his righteousness like there's not really a point in the story where joseph like deserves what he's being treated and yet he remains faithful and so i think sometimes we're like oh what did i do to deserve this Mm. um and yet when when you look back at the full picture you see god's redemptive plan not just for joseph like saving him from death and slavery in egypt but for his whole family and for a future nation um so i just think that's really cool yeah that is cool and then it kind of flips back to jacob you know in Mm -hmm. chapter 46 and god speaks to him after seeing how god's moved and worked and jacob's just ecstatic to see like his son is still alive but god speaks to him in chapter 46 verse 3 it says that god said i am god the God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you back. And so God challenges almost Jacob again to say, look how faithful I've been. Trust me one more time. Like, keep Mm -hmm. trusting me. Keep putting your trust in me. And so Jacob leaves, and he does go to Egypt. He trusts the Lord uh, with it. And uh, we get kind of a sneak peek there in verse 4. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I'll bring you back. Because Mm -hmm. uh, as we know, if you've read the book of Exodus, you see that Egypt then gets enslaved, or that uh, Israel gets enslaved to Egypt. And we see how God moves and saves his people and brings them out of slavery then. But we'll get there next week as we start Exodus next week. But uh, I just love seeing how God continues to call his people to trust him. Um, And then we see Jacob uh, truly truly trusts God as he goes to Egypt and moves there with his family. Yeah. One cool thing, too, about that is, you know, it's like, hey, and I'll bring you back. Jacob personally doesn't go back. Um, He dies in Egypt, which is cool because in one of his big commands is bring my bones back to my father's in the land. And so I think he he we're already getting this like glimpse of a of a resurrection story and a resurrection faith even Mm -hmm. in jacob like jacob knows that he's gonna die in egypt but god gave him this truth i will bring you back and so he's like i don't know i'm like i'm gonna die here but bring my bones back because i believe what god said and that he apparently trusts god to be faithful to that even beyond his death which is pretty amazing yeah and then uh, we continue to kind of see uh, just stuff unravel to set uh, the future for Exodus. Almost, It's almost like uh, Moses was kind of setting us up to see what was going to happen next at the, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of Genesis here. But in verse, or chapter 47, verse 20, uh, we, we see that the land is acquired, right? In this way, Joseph acquired all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh because every Egyptian sold his field since the famine was so severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's and Joseph moved the people to the cities from one end of Egypt to the other. And then down in verse 25, 
it, it says, you've saved our lives, they said. We found favor with our Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Uh, just setting the, the, the setting for Exodus as, as they will be, you know, people who yeah. are enslaved as uh, this Pharaoh dies and another one comes into play and then uh, totally enslaves all of Israel. Yeah. Um, but we start to see just God moving uh, just with his people and he's going to honor that promise that he will br- bring them out of mm-hmm. Egypt and back to where they belong. Uh, the yeah. land that is truly theirs. And honoring his promise to Abraham to be a blessing to the nations, right? Yeah. Because not only is Israel saved and yeah. by like Joseph's faithfulness, but God reveals his salvation also to Egypt. Like there's yeah. there's no reason e- that Egypt would have survived. Like they wouldn't have survived this famine unless Joseph was there and and blessed them with his wisdom so i i just think that's cool too it's like we see that god's heart is not like god could have easily just like not let any of this happen let israel just stay in their safe bubble during a famine and like everyone else just add like crumbled around them yeah but rather god choose to like use israel as a light to the nations and bless them too yeah um, i think that's important for us that is super important hayden uh jesus tells us in in the book of luke uh as he's on the road to emmaus with the two disciples he says that all of the scriptures point to him mm-hmm. what's maybe one uh one instance where as you were reading uh these chapters that uh you just really saw uh uh jesus type or saw the fulfillment uh of of whatever it was in one of these chapters in Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to read his story of Joseph and not be like, dude, this guy is totally just pointing us to Jesus. Um, you know, man filled with the Spirit of God, and, and even you know, Jesus all obviously like fulfilling that to an even greater degree. Um, but filled with the Spirit of God, um, basically given over to death. Um, but in this case, it's slavery to Egypt. God raises him out of death and into a place of prominence, like at the right hand of this ruler. Um, and through Jesus's and, and Joseph's like death and resurrection, so to speak, in yeah. this story, like God blesses his people and gives them abundance and fruit and multiplying. Um, so I think just like the story of Joseph, you know, it's not allegorical, it's not one-to-one, but it, you see this picture of um, Jesus being foreshadowed in his story for sure what about you yeah that's great um what i always love to see how jesus just uh just how this text how this story specifically points to christ is just the the reality that um yeah i can't find it right now probably just god's i'll just go with god's promise uh (laughs) hey don't be afraid to go down to egypt trust me right i will go down for you and i will trust you and i will bring you back you see God's promise to uh, him always bringing you back um, and him continuing to just hold true. I don't know how that points to Jesus right now. So I'm I mean, it's, leave it at that. God gives the same promise to Joseph's, um, Joseph, Jesus' father. Like, don't be afraid to go to Egypt. I'll bring you back and... You know, I don't know. <laughs> uh, we're just making stuff up right now. Hey, uh, this is how discipleship happens, right? Yeah. You you make some claims, you think, you search, you research, and you go, oh, I was wrong. Or you go, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe God used that in my own life. Yeah. So, uh, hey, we all make mistakes. We all just kind of go, oh, well, 
Uh, hope you enjoyed that, church. <laughs> let us let us know how we were wrong and how we can grow in that. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Oh my gosh, what a high note to end on. Yeah, uh, church family, we love you guys. We hope that the Lord is blessing you just uh, as you spend time in His Word, doing the reading plan. Um, if you've gotten off track, if you feel like you're too far behind, uh, church, just pick back up. Week uh, six, I think it is, it starts next week. And so we would love for you to join us. It'd be actually a really great time as you'd read the last two chapters of Genesis and then we start into Exodus. Uh, if you uh, desire to be on any of our videos or the podcast, feel free to let us know. You can reach out to me, Alex. Alex at citylightsouth.church. We'd love to just continue to hear what God's doing in your own life and how he's moving um, just in your walk with Christ as you study his word. Love it. Yeah, you don't have to know anything. You can just pick up an expositor's Bible commentary and just say what it says. Yeah, and then say some weird stuff at the very end like I did. Yep. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Bye, church.